Open up your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 6. Um, they, they, I'll, I'll get to Romans 9 one day. Um, but before I do, I, I want to give a prayer request. Um, God has kind of laid on my heart, and I'm not sure how it's all supposed to happen and take place and, and whatnot. Um, one of these days, Alan, I'm going to have you and Betsy talk about um, what happens at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Um, on that whole revival thing, um, 25, 26, 30 years ago, whatever, when, when Pastor Simbala started at that church, it was just an old, broken down group of about 20, 25 people. They were depressed. Uh, they had nothing. Um, I mean, they couldn't even pay the bills. <laughs> okay? And God called them to pray. That's it. And God called them to pray. Here's my question. If I call you to pray, will you come? Pretty simple. Um, I'm totally convinced of this. If we won't, God will just build a group right next to us who will. Okay, so, you know, very important, very important. One of these days, we'll, we'll put something together. Uh, maybe we'll have Pastor Zabalich come and tell us about it. Call him this week and say, when you coming? Um, like he ain't got nothing better to do. I know, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not saying anything bad. Just kidding. But no, this is, this is very important. But, but folks, for 31, 32 years, uh, we've had this, um, it wasn't always called Riverview Christian Early Learning Center, but um, it's been a daycare. And God has shown favor on our daycare. Now, let me, let me tell you something you don't do. Now, listen to me. This week, um, I think it was this week, we, we, we've already been through all the stars stuff this year and passed with flying colors and did very, very well. And the state came in and did an inspection. And we passed with flying colors. And, and the fire company came, fire people came and, did, and we passed with flying colors, although it was broke this morning. Um, but... <laughs> I looked at Jen, and I went, oh, thank God, we can relax. Well, the, the Southerners have a, a, a saying that such and such will break you from sucking eggs. Now, I have no idea what that means. But the very next day, Jen texts me and says, oh, my goodness, we've got a crisis. So much for relaxing. <laughs> Don't ever relax. Whatever you're doing, don't relax. Don't lay on the couch this afternoon and watch football. Don't, no, I'm just kidding. The, the day you think you can put your armor and guard down, you know, um, Satan's going to get a shot in on you that's going to take your breath away. Just be very, very careful. This has nothing to do with my sermon. I'm not even sure I'll get to my sermon this morning. But um, don't ever do it. That's good preaching even if I don't preach my sermon. Um, but we, we have a school of nearly 200 children. And I would say out of that, there is a, an admixture of probably 1,000 to 1,500 people we impact on a weekly basis. 
you call you talk about a field ripe unto harvest. Riverview, do you realize what's going on in your school? No, I'm serious. I mean, I know it's been there, and honestly, right now, it keeps the whole thing alive because of the lack here. You could never pay my, this church could never pay my salary, and it couldn't even keep the lights on. So few people tithe and so, people, so few give that it's just, just the way it is. And I'm, I'm not upset about that because God's found other means. But I don't think you want that forever. Okay? But I, I, just a prayer request. I'm just thinking that if, if God could send us someone to come in beside Jen, okay, and Jen does a masterful job, and my dream team of Abby and Christine, and we need to talk about why they ain't here. And um, um, no, two, Sundays, two Saturdays in a row, they've been out doing stuff, and they ain't here. And Nicole, she's here, though. But um, now I need Christians in my leadership here at this church and uh, in the school. But um, to bring someone who has a passion and a vision for the children in this area, in the school, in the church, and put that all together. Does that make sense to you? You know, and they could, this person could kind of oversee our school age group, uh, which honestly, you've got to hear and start praying about this. We're, we're hoping for 100 kids in our camp this year. I'm not even sure how we'll do that, but 50 and 50, depending on age and that God would help us find someone between the school and the church stepping up in some faith, between the church and the schools, uh, school and the church stepping up on, in faith, Amen. between the school and the church stepping up in faith, um, be able to bring someone in with a, with a livable wage, uh, step in beside Jen to kind of help handle situations and stuff, because little by little, I'm backing away. My thing is prayer and the word. My thing has got to become prayer and the word. I'll be there to protect and I'll be there to, to do whatever and handle idiots, but um, it just, you know, uh, that's, you know, but just pray that God would somehow connect us with the right person to bring in to, and then they could oversee. See, next week, you have to understand, those that aren't sure what a children's meeting, meetings with me are not meetings. Meetings with me is I want God to come and, and direct us on from age about one or two to 18. We need to know what we want for our children. Because honestly, the world I came out in 18 was bad enough. The world these kids are coming out of our homes at 18, it's crazy. I mean, it's nuts, you know. So sending these little wimpy little teenage Christians who had a lot of pizza parties and say they like church, big hairy deal. I want kids, I want men and women of God at age 16, 18 who are in, infecting and impacting their school and their college, not, pe- not young people that are being infected and impacted by their school and their college. Right. That's right. Yeah. Do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? And I need somebody to, we need somebody to come in here with that kind of vision, not only for the children in the school and the church, but in the whole area. 
See, to me, if somebody just has a vision for the few that are here, that's a nice Sunday school teacher, okay? We need people that have a vision for the whole area. Does that make sense? You know, and can develop something that God would see a value in bringing all of those folk into that system. And it doesn't just have to be on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. You know, and oversee the training, not only of the children here at the school and the church, but oversee the training of our young families on how do I invest the word of God and the power of God and the glory of God and the love of God into these young people's lives. Because ultimately it can't be the church. It has to be the home. Does that make sense? You know, we, we have about... 40, 50 hours a week, and the, I mean, 40 or 50 hours a year, these children are being impacted 60 to 80 hours a week by government schools and television and computer. And if all they get is a half hour here at church, what chance do they have to become the giants of God that they were created to be? And guys, I just don't need parents. I need grandparents. People to step in and say, if you need help raising your children spiritually, I am here. I will be praying with you. I will be praying for you. I will invest in you. I will be there and show you how to invest the word of God. One of the cool things is in a couple of weeks, Scott is going to start a a whole Sunday school class on the word of God that everybody needs to be there because it's different than me. The way this trains people to go is, and you'll talk about this next week, um, is, is it's more of a narrative, more of a story style. If you'll notice, your parents... I'm your parents. Your pastor does not tell many stories. Your, your pastor just takes the word and punches you in the face. All right? And that's just who I am. I'm a prophet. I'm not a, I'm not a dad. You know, you're not going to come and say, oh, wasn't that sweet? You're going to go, oh, my goodness, how do I do this? You know, but that's who I am. And, I, you know, I'm not going to change. You know, you're not going to change. You know, but you hear what I'm saying? This is very important. Here's the coolest part. We're out to lunch last week to make sure that Scott and Pastor knew what they were doing in February. And um, I knew that Kay and and Mama would keep them straight. But but Scott tells me, oh, it's 42 weeks long, and there's a children's version that goes right along with the adult version. Wow, what a start. You know, one of the things that's sad is my parents grew up in the church, and we were in church all of my life, and they still, to this day, apologize to us because they never knew how to invest God and His Word in our lives. They depended on the church to do it. You know, and there's nothing wrong with the church. It's it's fine. It'll go to heaven. But but the reality is, you know, we need to be more than just one hour a week. Does that make sense? Maybe we need to have, instead of small groups where we just huddle together and tell each other how good we are, maybe we ought to have small groups where we gather with young families and say, can we love and invest in you and help you invest in your children? That might not be a bad small group. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know, and not just kids that are here. I mean, people that don't go to church anywhere or go to church somewhere and and, and they don't have a clue. You know, get with them. I I don't know what I'm, I'm just rambling. But do do, do do you start to catch my vision a little bit? You know, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to go, you know, to this. You know, I mean, I praise God. I, I, I've got kids that, that 
that do. And, 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 and my grandkids, my, grand, my two oldest grandkids right now, Elijah's not quite there. He'll get there as per his namesake. But, um, I mean, they'll, they'll literally stop you. And they'll say, we're going to pray about this. Huh? You think Pop Pop's not excited about that? You know, and you got to understand something. Your kids can teach you spiritually because we're too rough and tumble. Our souls have been jaded enough that lots of times we don't think that way. They do. They're pure. You know, they'll tell you right away where you're an idiot. They don't say it right out, but they'll show you. And what, what an opportunity. So pray with me, if you don't mind, this week that um, a couple of the guys on the district, we were with them this week, and they said, if you'll give me like a job description, <laughs> and if you know me, I'm not good at that, because I figure if i got to write a job description for somebody, then they don't need to be here, because then I'm going to have to tell them what to do all the time, and I'll just fire them. But, but to write up something to kind of, because we need an entrepreneurial spirit here, don't we? Because honestly, at this point, we really have nothing and no one who's kind of heading this whole thing up. There's some good things happening, but we need somebody who comes in here and has a dream. You know, not just for here, but for the school and for the area. You know, whatever we got to do, if we got to have a Saturday morning uh, crazy time for the children to come in here and and just have a blast and and learn about Jesus, so be it. Does that make sense? You know? Well, it's not Sunday morning. So what? Sunday morning's boring sometimes. All right? So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't need to say any more about that. Romans chapter 6 is, is, is a starting point for something that I, I, I think is so vitally important. Um, hopefully, every one of you read that because it was in the, it was in the uh, email this week to, to read this. So I'm sure all of you probably just about memorized chapter 6 of, of Romans. Um, it comes after, do you know that Romans 6 comes after Romans 5? <laughs> you knew that, you know. At the end of Romans 5, Paul makes a statement, and we need to hear it. Where sin abounds, grace, now let me make sure you know what grace is. Grace is a gift. You can't earn a gift. Gift is something that's just given, right? Are you with me there? It's charis. It's a gift. But in that box, that gift is all... And I want you to hear this. You have, by the grace of God, when the Holy Spirit enters your life in what we call the new birth, you have everything you will ever need for eternal life, abundant and free in Him. I hear people, oh, well, fill me. Well, just... Get out of the way. He's already there. Okay? You have everything you need. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Where Satan, we didn't hear this. Where Satan raises his level, God raises his level all the more. Amen? Amen? You know, enough of this stuff, well, Satan's going to get me. Satan will only get you if you let him. Hear me? Satan no, can't get you unless you decide he's going to get me. And it's okay. Because Jesus Christ died and rose again and sent his Holy Spirit. He can't do nothing 
unless God lets him. And God ain't going to let him unless you let him. Okay? But where sin abounds, God's grace abounds all the more. And this is where you get the goofy statement at the beginning of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that great grace might increase? Now, that's kooky. But you know what? There's people who think that way. There were people, throughout church history, that's what they taught people sometimes. You know, great, you know, let's, let's sin more. So God's grace will abound more. I know that's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but that's the way some people think. You know, I mean, you know, I know it's nuts. By no means. We died to sin. And what you'll find is in Romans 7, it doesn't mean sin goes away. It's not expiated. If you were doing something before salvation, that, that, that temptation, that struggle might still be in your life. That is, in fact, most of the time it will be. Okay? But you died to it. Let me help you with something that I honestly believe. If you haven't died to it, then Jesus Christ's saving grace isn't in it and on it. Because you still want to own it. You still want to play with it. You still want to control it. And Jesus doesn't inculcate himself in something you control. The great struggle and fear and and pain that I have is so many people who call themselves Christians and there's no holiness and there's no power. Because they're still in control. Now, you that have been Nazarenes for too long, you need to listen to me. Okay? I grew up with this thing. Supposedly, it was John Wesley. As I read John Wesley, it's not John Wesley. It was just us. We get people saved. Just ask him in. That's all you need to do. Okay. (coughs) And what happens is, they never realize that when you get saved, you need to be crucified with Christ. And then five, six, seven years later, we'll get them sanctified. No, kids. When you come to Christ, you come to Christ and you give him ownership or you don't. If you give him ownership, his salvation is real and true and powerful. If you still own it, it's still yours. Now, let, let me explain something to you. The thing that I hate the most is because I've given my whole self to Jesus, he continues to show me stuff that I haven't given to him. I hate that. Anybody else struggle with that? That's some sorry stuff. You know, just take it. Just do it. You don't need me involved. And he's like, no, you need to be involved so you can learn something. And he shows me something. I'm like, ah, ah, come on. I don't, I don't. You know, and some things he shows me I don't want to give him. I like to be in control of that. Or, Jesus, in reality, I don't trust you with that because you may not give me what I want. Anybody? Anybody? anybody, anybody, Y'all ever done that? Y'all ever felt that way? 
Jesus, you're too stinking slow. You don't really understand. So I'm going to help you out. And Jesus is like, no, you help me out and I'm out. Are you with me there? Do you understand what I'm saying? And you've got to understand something. This is a battle. Tell me if I'm making noise. Huh? <laughs> He's going to take it away. Next week when he takes away the steps, I'm going to fall right on my head. Watch. <laughs> I look there and go, whoa. You know. Um, but guys, this is important stuff. Because there's a lot of folks actually living in absolute powerlessness. Absolute utter doubt. Because they have not actually made Jesus Christ first. King. Priority. And then they're like, Jesus, why am I not experiencing your salvation? Because I'm not owning that. You are. And I don't come into what you own. I come into what you've given to me so that I can take ownership. This is a huge thing, guys. And I want you to look around, and I want you to see your kids. I want you to see your grandchildren. I want you to see those around you and realize and and see what's happening. Because there's a lot of good people that say they're Christians, but they're still in charge. And they're still living under a satanic influence because they've never allowed Jesus. Satan can't get to Jesus, but he can get to me. I'm a weak human being. But I can count on this. What I give to Jesus, Jesus will whoop him good. Are you with me? And you need to hear this. And I got five minutes. Two minutes. By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know That all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life or the newness of life. If we have been united with him Like this, in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, that old man, that old flesh was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Let me stop you right there. If you're a slave to a sin... It's because you have not chosen to die with Christ in that sin. I am so tired. Well, there's just certain things God doesn't do or can't do. Bunk. Jesus Christ died and took every one of my sins with him to death. And on the third day, he rose again. Kicking tail and taking names. If you choose to live in sin, don't blame that on Jesus. I didn't say you don't battle. Don't tell anybody I said this. Especially people who think they're perfect. 
But I don't know anybody who doesn't have a battle. Doesn't mean that you want to allow Satan to have dominion, but I don't know anybody that doesn't have a battle. Just neurotics who are told they don't. But the reality is all of us do. But read verse 7. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This week, I want you to think about that. Are there things in my life that control me that absolutely take hold of my mind and my heart? And I want you to hear this. If you think I'm picking on you, that's your problem. If they're taking hold of your mind and your heart and your life, then that's because you haven't actually given them to Jesus and you haven't actually allowed God to crucify you in that area of your life. And the bottom line is that's not my fault, that's not the church's fault, that's not God's fault, that's your fault. Because you are making a decision to say, I got this. And when we say, I got this, Jesus says, go for it. And any area of your life that you say, I got this, and Jesus says, go for it, you need to understand who actually owns it, Satan himself. I am so tired of hearing this negligence toward or this cavalier attitude towards sin. Well, everybody does it. We all, every day, and thought, word, and deed, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, but what about the book? I don't care about man's theology. I've come to the point where I believe in John Wesley. I believe in John Calvin. I believe in, in all of these dudes. I think they are just all wonderful to a certain human extent. But we get lost in these human theologies and these human isms, and after a while it becomes my theology, not God's. Okay? Now understand this. Why do you want us to do this, Pastor? Because you read, and you will this week, the rest of John, uh, Romans 6. Because you'll want to read over that part about 10 times. And you read the rest of Romans 6, and when you have died, you come alive. Amen? Amen? You become powerful. I like being powerful. You know, I'm just that kind of selfish person. You know, I like being powerful. Nothing wrong with it. Now, let me warn you, though. You remember I said Romans 5 came after, uh, Romans 6 came after Romans 5? Let me warn you. Romans 7 comes after Romans 6. There's a theological nugget you ought to write down. But in Romans 7, the very person that was freed from sin in Romans 6 is doing the very thing that they don't want to do. So the moment you let your guard down, or the moment you're not paying spiritual attention, or the moment something isn't in Christ... You don't think Satan's going to say, well, I want to be fair. I want to make sure they know what I'm doing. He is going to punch you right in that spot. You need to hear me. And what you do then is you don't go, oh, my goodness, I'm such a failure. i got to give up. I'm just never, I just might as well give up. I, no, you say, you know what? 
In Christ, I have an advocate before and with the Father. And you say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm confessing my sin, and I'd like for you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you say, Satan, get out of my face, get out of my life, get out of that area of my life. We're moving on, and you start again. This stuff of, I'm a failure. That is Satan talking into your big old thick head. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Okay. And that's how you teach other people too. Because so many people have just given up. Because they've been taught poorly. Amen? Amen? But then you look at them and say, listen. But you need to put that area of your life under the blood. You need to give that area of your life to Jesus Christ. You need to make him absolute first and Lord of that area of your life. Quit messing with it. Quit holding it. Quit controlling it. You have to let Jesus Christ. Because you don't think he's going to come back to that area? Satan is not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. But he's one persistent little dude. But he has no power where Jesus Christ is Lord. But that can't happen until you die with Jesus Christ. It will happen if you allow Jesus Christ to have that area of your life. And here's the problem with me. I got to give it to him and I take it back. Give it to him, I take it back. Give it to him, I take it back. Little by little, what happens usually, because I'm very thick-headed. I am very slow, okay? Little by little, the time before I take it back becomes longer, and eventually, it's all his. But you've got to decide. You've got to get serious about giving that area of your life to him. And when you do that, He will set you free. I don't care how long it's been in your life. And I don't care how deep it is. And I don't care how many godless, quote, Christians around you tell you that there's nothing can be done. I'm telling you, you continuously give that to Jesus in prayer and give that to Jesus in prayer and give that to Jesus in prayer and Jesus Christ can and will set you free. Amen? But you got to die. Read Romans 6 again. We'll talk about it more next week, okay? Father, thank you for our time together. It's been creative. (laughs) It's been fun. It's been tasty. But Father, most of all, you were here. Father, I pray that you would show us the areas of our lives that we need to give to you and give to you and give to you till that garbage is gone. Help us, Jesus. Lead us, Jesus. Guide us, Jesus. In your name we pray.